Hi, I'm Nick, and you're watching the Disney Channel. <laughs> As if the Disney Channel could ever. <laughs> hey, I'm Weston, and this is Queer Meets Queer. Welcome to another serving of Sunday Brunch, our bonus episode series where we and our storytellers offer up tasty answers to tantalizing questions. Today, Nick and I will be answering questions from you, our listeners, and then we'll hear a bit more from some of our storytellers on a previous episode. So the first question is about um, what dating apps, thoughts about dating apps, what dating apps the best, what do you think is the best dating app? This question comes from Regaladox on Instagram. Nice. And... um, I, I get tired of this like dating app discourse, to be honest, <laughs> about which yeah. one's the best. But it is something from our interview with Tom and Ray. Okay. And there was, they talked about, they met on Scruff. Yeah. Um, but okay. I don't know, dating apps. <sighs> which one's the best? Do you have an opinion? I don't because I am in a long-term monogamous relationship. And I haven't been on dating apps in a while. And even when I was on there, I don't know, the effort... Did you meet your partner on an internet? No. Did, no. No. Yeah. So no. You're, we, you're we an like, analog. You're an analog couple. <laughs> yeah, we are an analog <laughs> couple for sure. For sure. And that was like, that was just what I was about to get into was like, I think there's something to be said about the attention span, the average attention span of people and like this, like this desire for like a quick connection and instant gratification yeah. and what I love about how I met my partner was that it was unintentional mm. and it was accidental. And I feel like a lot of people, not everyone, but a lot of people with internet dating or apps in general are looking for like a quick connection or they're trying to get into something right away or they're trying to learn everything they possibly can about somebody through the app or through texting and then they will meet each other. And then it's kind of like that discovery process is you're, you kind of miss out on that. Mm-hmm. There's a place in this world for all of those things. Yeah. Um, the apps are like important for people and I totally get that. And that's great. And I have, they've never really been my thing. Yeah. A connection over text messaging can translate to real life in really unexpected and weird ways also. Mm-hmm. Like I can't, there's been a couple times where I've had this like really sort of intense, like meet cute sort of connection with someone entirely over texting. And then you, and then you, and then you meet them and it's like, it's not there. Oh, really? Yeah, like there's no... Oh my gosh. Like there's just something about... It just didn't translate. Um, Funny. And then the only other thing I want to say about this before I move on is that I've recently, um, in the last... Like in the spring, I started using Tinder for the very first time. Uh And what I appreciate about Tinder is that I was on it for like a month and I'm not really on it anymore. But in that month, there was not a single time when anyone who I made a connection with on Tinder like asked me if I was a top or a bottom. Oh. And I have never had that experience online with yeah. the gay community. Like, it's always, like, first two or three minutes of chatting. Really? Are you a top or a bottom? And it was refreshing to not have that conversation. And to, like, meet people without knowing. Fascinating. Um, because it, I had, I, I don't think I had ever went on a date with someone until last month without knowing. Really? What their, like, sexual preferences were. Um, and how did the date go? Um, well, I've been, I've done a couple dates like that and, um, some of them have gone well. I feel like I could, I could like dive deep into that. Like why that is a question that's so important to people. I think 
I think sort of um, the answer you would get from a lot of people, a simple one word answer would be compatibility. Mm. I, I think that that's obviously like there is so much that goes into making two people sexually compatible mm-hmm. other than, you know, who's putting what into who. Right. Um, <laughs> is all, inserting yes. which into whomst. Right. There's also so many different ways to have sexual intimacy right. beyond those things. Right. And so, but that's what, that's what people say a lot. Right? Yeah. I've asked this question to people before too. And they're just like, I, yeah, I've never been that person who's like so one way mm-hmm. that if somebody were the same way, it'd be the deal breaker. And so it's interesting to think about people who are that way mm-hmm. which is great and fine and all the things but i think for me like that is that has just never been a deal breaker yeah definitely like if there's that connection then we'll figure it out yeah next we'll hear another take on dating apps from tom tom was our storyteller on our episode husband hunting a polyamorous love story if you haven't heard that episode cue it up it's wonderful as i mentioned a minute ago tom and his husband ray are a scruff couple meaning that they met on a gay dating app called Scruff. Here's what Tom has to say. Scruff is an online hookup slash dating app. Um, it, it is, it's a way to meet men that I was part of when it first really hit the scene. Like I originally, the only app when it started, like you had the iPhone three and then you had Grindr. Grindr was like the first big dating app for gay men. And then Scruff took off because Grindr became a space for men that fit a certain body type, looked a certain way, had a certain, I don't know. Of a certain age. Of a certain age, of a certain shape. I mean, it was very, in the early days, especially when iPhone was very much a status symbol that not everybody had, it brought along with it a bunch of baggage. Anyway, Scruff came around and I was thrilled because it got me in, in back involved with men that are like differently shaped and a little more hairy and my body started to look like the bodies I was looking at on the screen. And so I've been, actively on that app for a long time i did take a giant break from it though um because i also identified for the longest time as monogamous and i'm just recently out as a polyamorous guy so do you want to do your question next nikki nikki sent in a question for this yes do you want to do what do you remember it or do you want to i do remember it it. Yeah. yeah um i was very interested to hear about your the the feelings what you went through mentally and emotionally when you when you received your HIV diagnosis. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I've, I've written an essay about this, about getting my HIV diagnosis. Mm. Um, and I've also read that essay for a bonus episode of this podcast, mm-hmm. um, the one titled HIV, the Navy in China. Um, and so if you want the whole story, go listen to that. But I will say this, I got a phone call from my doctor and I could tell pretty early on in that phone call that I wasn't going to get good news. Mm -hmm. And you had, if I could back up just a moment, you, what, how did, how did the phone call come? Did you go to the doctor because you would. Sure. So I'll back up. I had, um, I had been getting tested for HIV regularly, like every three months Mm -hmm. and I had been consistently testing negative and I had even tested negative extremely recently. Like Mm. I had tested negative a few, a few weeks before this happened. And um, then I had a, a, uh, a checkup, a physical, just like my yearly, like going to the doctor, get some basic you know, blood work done once a year kind of thing. And that blood work returned a low white blood cell count. Mm. 
and they asked me some few questions. They like wanted to know if I was doing drugs and like, no, I wasn't doing any drugs. And uh, they said basically that it was probably either cancer or HIV or it could be nothing. Right. And I was like, well, it's not HIV because I literally just got tested when right. I came back negative. I do feel compelled to say in a recorded atmosphere that you look beautiful. <laughs> Thank you. And I'm going to describe your outfit. Okay. It is this like very pretty, well-pressed white button down that's like opened a little bit to show a very handsome chest. <laughs> and you have tucked that into these teal chino pants. Yeah, I love these teal pants. With a belt that, a brown belt that matches very well. And Thank I like you. it a lot. I appreciate it. I, am... I, I took my ass over here in <laughs> bike shorts. <laughs> Cut off t-shirt. I, I really like your outfit. <laughs> Thanks. You have this like peach tank top on that says internet. And <laughs> I just, I love it. It's great. Oh my God. I was like thinking about these. I like just. Emily this is how I dress most of the time. By the way. It's, my, oh, it's my birthday. So yeah, like, yeah. I'm wearing a birthday outfit. That's right. I always put up something nice for my birthday. That's a good it's outfit like for a 30th birthday. Yeah. yeah, it's good. Um, anyway. Okay. So you were saying. Um, they were saying it's either ca cancer or HIV, and then you got yeah. a call from your doctor. So I got a call from my doctor, and the first thing that happened is, like, the nurse who answered the phone, like, scrambled to go get the doctor, mm. which I knew was a bad sign, because mm. if it was anything minor, then the nurse could just tell me. Mm -hmm. You know, the nurse would be like, you're negative, whatever, go mm -hmm. home, um, or, like, go about your business. And so the doctor came on the phone, and I knew that that was a bad sign, and the doctor told me, very plainly and sort of summarily that I had tested positive for HIV. Um, but when I heard that news that I that I had HIV, um, it was it was one of the worst moments of my life. But not not for the reasons you would think. The thing that I was dealing with in that moment when I heard w that I had HIV was was really HIV stigma. I had all these ideas about what it meant to have HIV. I had all these ideas about what that said about me as a person. I, I felt an incredible amount of shame. And it's, I, the, way I, the way I describe it is it felt like I had been like plunged into like burning oil. Like my, I had like a physical reaction to the shame that I was feeling. And I got very hot and I had probably a panic attack. Um, it felt terrible, it was awful, but when I when I look back on that person receiving that phone call, if that person had known what I know now, I wouldn't have had that reaction. Mm. Because it was based entirely on a kind of um, like hateful stigma about HIV and about people who have HIV. And it's 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 not true to the disease. It's not true to the people who have it. It's not true to the impact that HIV has on a person's life. Like, what's different about me now versus before I was positive? Now I take a like a multivitamin-sized pill once a day, and that's and that's it. I don't I don't have any side effects. Um, it, I'm healthier now than I than I was six years ago when mm -hmm. I got my diagnosis. I'm much healthier now. And that person in that moment wouldn't have known that. Wouldn't have believed it. As soon as I had a chance to like do some research about like the medication and stuff like I, I knew that I was going to be okay I knew rationally right. that I was going to be okay right um but getting over that that stigma and that shame took a lot longer than treating my disease 
which mm-hmm. took almost no time at all. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> it's really easy. Yeah, definitely. The only other question I have is, um, what's a turn on for you? What's your biggest turn on asking for a friend? I, I am like, I am very attracted to confidence. I think that's one of the <laughs> biggest things that attracted me to my, to my partner. I was going to say that too. I was going to say confidence and health. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> both things Which... both things I am super attracted to. Also, both things that my partner, Emily, takes very seriously. Mm-hmm. And I think that was the confidence more than the health thing was the first thing I noticed is that she was very and always has been like knows who she is and doesn't flex on who she is. She doesn't compromise that for a relationship. What was one of the first things... Like, what was one of your first impressions of her? Like, what did you notice about her first? The the first time I met her, she was dating somebody else. Mm. And she had actually performed at this open mic event that I was hosting with a friend that we would host, like, every once in a while or whatever. And she got up on stage, and she was, like, performing her song. And she did it totally randomly. Like, she just, out of the blue, was like, I'm just going to do it. She had come to be a spectator. And she was like, I'm just going to do it. And she did it. And she like fumbled through it a few times. And you could tell she was getting flustered. But she kept going. And she she just did the thing. And I remember thinking how, how awesome it was for someone to just like decide to go up on stage and perform their thing. And and fumble it and mess up a few times and still work through that and then get off the stage and feel good about what they did you know like I thought that was really cool I never I certainly would not have done that never ever (laughs) And, (laughs) and I think that and that that's what like attracted me back to her when we reconnected like six or seven months later when we ran into each other at the grocery store like she saw me first and she she recognized me from that one interaction that one day that we had and she still had the confidence to say hello and approach me and be like you know let's connect and be friends and whatever and I can't say that I like I probably would have seen her if the if the tables were turned I I would have seen her and then like texted my friend that I had seen her later Mm. you know and I never would have said anything and that would have been that and so I think like that kind of just unapologetic, like, I'm just going to go for it and and deal with whatever comes afterwards. I found to be like not just like sexy romantically, but attractive just from a person to person standpoint. Like mm-hmm. that is something I admire in her a lot just as a person. Next, we are going to return to our conversation with Tom and Ray. One of the foundations of Tom and Ray's relationship is that they encourage each other to grow creatively. In 2020, Ray was feeling low. He was laid off from his job, unable to find satisfying work, and stuck at home during the COVID quarantine. Ray was about ready to give up on his creative dreams entirely, but Tom helped him through it. And last year, during COVID, during my like really low spots of unemployment, I almost gave up on that creative career. Like I was at the bottom of my, I, I, I was at the bottom. He always encouraged me to invest in myself creatively. And 
I, he kicked me in the butt when I needed it the most. And I am now two months into my dream job. <laughs> I'm working at a winery, doing creative things, working with wine. I'm doing what I want to do. Finally, Tom and Ray play our little game and ask each other intimate questions about their relationship. When was the last time I surprised you and why? The last time you surprised me. Uh-huh. And why? Why was it such a surprise? Because hmm. I, I don't remember. I, I don't know if this is... This is definitely not the most recent time you surprised me, but the f- time that comes up to mind first... Mm-hmm is after I got off of work at, at the wine bar and I grabbed a marina and we decided to go to Tonic Lounge for Daddy Bone. And we had planned this beforehand, so you were already there. And <laughs> I get there with my friend Marina and we go to the bar for I like one and I think only drink because they were about to do last call. And I text you, I'm like, hey, we're here, where are you? No response. And I'm like, okay, well, he said he was here. I'm just going to see if I can find him. (laughs) And, you know, do the loop around the bar. And I finally find him making out with this cute beardo on the dance floor. I don't know this guy, but he was cute. And Thomas is obviously into it. And I think this was the first time Marina had seen the dynamics of our relationship, like, in front of her face. And she was like, huh. He's making out with someone else. That's cute. (laughs) I think it surprised me because he was embracing that moment completely. And I hadn't seen that in front of my face. And this person is now good friends with Thomas, but they're not really like... No, we go to the gym. They're not a thing. He's been over for Thanksgiving once. Like he's goofy. I love it. Yeah. But... I think that that that's the first thing that comes to mind oh. is like you surprised me then because yeah. I saw where our relationship was going before I was like mentally prepared for it. And I was oh. like, huh, okay. Yeah, right. ask a question. So I have a collection of a dozen cards here and I just randomly pulled Good that Good job, one. Libra. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> yes. I can't I can't make a decision until I have to. Nope. Yep. Uh, when was the last time I made you feel secure as a person? Oh my god. The last time? When was the last time I made you feel secure as a person? Oh, the last time you did it was when you made me coffee in bed. And that was like yesterday. Like, well, that's honestly if, if we don't make each other coffee in the morning. We yell at each other. Yeah, no, that's a, that's a thing we've learned. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, no, like, honestly, I've never asked you to be that kind of husband. I've never asked you to be that kind of person in life. I don't need to be catered to. There's no, I should do this because I'm married. There's none of that bullshit. So the fact that, like, it's a dumb little thing, mm-hmm. and it's the sweetest thing, and it generally, the, the question is, how do you make me feel secure as a person? Yeah, you know I need coffee. You give me the little bit of love boost in the morning just to get out of bed and like get on with my day and like get to the gym and do my writing and like stay on the path that's done me a lot of good over the last three years. So yeah, yeah that's, I mean, make you make me a cup of coffee. All right. I guess I'll keep doing that. Please do. All right. That's all we got for you today, folks. 
Thanks so much for joining us for Sunday Brunch. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Queer Meets Queer. Subscribe to this podcast to get updates on future episodes. We got some juicy stories coming out in July that you won't want to miss. And don't forget to tell your friends about us. Okay, thanks, and have a good Sunday. Thank you.